Hello, everyone. Hope you're all doing well. It is I, the Lemon Shark, who will be hosting today, joined by my co-hosts, Hammerhead Shark and Mako Shark. Hey. Hi, hi. So uh, before we get into the meat of the subject, we're going to talk about the meme of the week, or the meme of the last three weeks or so. <laughs> But um, yeah, it's yeah, it's been just a little bit of time. <laughs> yeah, so the meme that we all decided to collectively uh, enjoy this week, I guess, or relate to, I guess, this is the so there's this video. It's a little TikTok slash Instagram reel where this guy's watching an anime, like a cute little romance anime, and he's like crying. Like they finally, they finally kiss, then it switches over to like God, and he's like. I bet that was. I bet you wish that was you, huh? And starts laughing at him, and he starts. <laughs> <crying>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the I anime guess. is called Toradora, by the way. Oh my gosh! I didn't know that. I got an ad for that on my Kindle this morning. Really? All right. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually a pretty popular um, romance anime. It's been out for quite a while since two thousand eight. Oh, that's actually. Getting a little more traction. Has an 8.2 on my anime list. Oh, so it's neat. Do you just and know that? Off, do you know that off the top of your head? I just Googled it, but oh, okay. <laughs> I, <laughs> I have watched Torador before and I did enjoy it, except. Okay, never mind. <laughs> I was pretty mad at how it kind of ended. I shipped two characters more than what. and how the story did it but that's not the topic <laughs> but if you two decide to watch it and you want to talk about it we can yeah i'll see is it on one is it on any of the legal sites um yeah i think it's on crunchyroll right now oh how many um, illegal sites is it on oh, <laughs> <All of them. laughs> yeah crunchyroll and i think netflix actually oh, oh. yeah toradora you said yeah, tour tour. Mm. Cool, cool. Anyways, so yeah, I think we all kind of related really hard to that one. So I think that's why we all chose it. For, <laughs> that was the laugh that he does when he's playing God. He's like, ha! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's so true. Well, anyway, so today I guess I'll go first with my topic of the week. So lately I started reading this book series um, called The Expanse, and The Expanse is really renowned for like how um, how close it is with like real life science and like how the space travel and all that stuff. It's like very like the most realistic sci-fi space opera out there, I guess, right now. And it got me thinking like, does realism like how how much does realism affect fiction? It's like how much does it matter to you guys if like a show's realistic or not, and like how does it affect your enjoyment? Um, for oh. me, oh, go ahead. Ah, uh, go ahead. Oh, I feel like that. I feel like that almost kind of turns into a Star Trek versus Star Wars debate. Sex. I feel like that's a good way to frame it because Star Trek. I remember. A big fan of Star Trek that I met, he told me that they would consult with scientists as they were developing the show and ask them, is this the kind of technology we might have in 80 years? And they're like, yeah, we think that this could be stuff we might eventually develop one day. 
So, and they would frame, you know, the kind of the stories and technology around that and how they presented it. So then on the other hand, you have Star Wars, which is like planet destroying space stations and space wizards with laser swords and, you know, uh, ships that have ridiculous designs like the medical frigates, you know, they just look cool and we love them because they look cool, but they actually wouldn't work in real life. Yeah. So, Lemon, you're, you're saying realism versus fantasy, right? I guess, like, just realistic. Like, yeah, just, like, realistic stuff. Um, like I think it really depends what kind of genre I'm looking for. Like, Mako just finished talking about space, but when it, for me, when it comes to space, just if it's fun, you know, it, it doesn't really matter to me. Uh, just because you know it's the future, so who knows? Um, a lot of things could change, and yeah. and yeah, you know, it's just kind of a story. Um, <clears throat> but I would say more if it's kind of like more medieval fantasy, where a lot of the things that they're doing were stuff that was happening actually in history. Uh, you know, the way that they make armor and weapons or just the way of life you know i would want that to be accurate but if they add magic um i would want that kind of mesh that they're making sure it would still kind of make sense if that was um but they're not making the things that actually happened dumb yeah or unrealistic kind of like how if I'm watching Lord of the Rings, I expect them to have like an accurate depiction of how a blacksmith makes a sword. But if I'm watching Harry Potter, then it's just do whatever you want. You know, it's Harry Potter. There's magic everywhere. Who cares? Yeah, because I mean, Lord of the Rings might be interesting because like when Elvis, not Elvis, sorry, the <laughs> Elvis, Elvis the Fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> when the elves make weapons and all of that, yeah, they add magical properties to it and everything. And so the process might be a little different, the refining, but, you know, they're still hitting it with a hammer. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's not totally drastically different. And so I guess it depends on the setting. Um, If it's modern world, you know, it'd be kind of similar. If they decide to make cars close to how cars are right now, I would still want to see the tire spinning even if the car supposedly is powered by something different. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I guess it's all about, what was the term? Dispending disbelief or something like that? Suspension of disbelief. Yeah, that word. Yeah. I guess it all depends on that. Another, another thing I just thought of, like, I guess it doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean or matter if it's realistic to our world, as long as, like, it sets up its rules in the fantasy or science fiction world and, like, follows those rules. That's all that matters, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, like setting and genre play a big part in it. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, that was yeah. my that was my little thought thoughts I had over the last couple of weeks. Well, go yeah, go on. Oh, um, I was just thinking, like, since we we're just talking about that, how setting and genre, how setting influences it. When I think of like stuff like. 
uh, through the looking glass or the adventures of Alice in Wonderland. I don't expect it to be realistic at all because it's an absurdist genre. You know, it's meant to be weird and off the cuff and wacky. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of anything goes. But then if I'm watching Band of Brothers, I expect them to make it realistic to how things were back during the World War II. Yeah. Right. Um, but I was going to ask you, Lemon, um, in the Expanse, are they kind of going off the the hook, I guess, or kind of sticking to the world's laws or something? Or what kind of got you interested? Wait, what was that? Well, what kind of got you interested in this topic? Well, I just kept seeing like these videos of people like are fanboying over the, the Expanse being like, this is so realistic. I love it. And like, people are like, oh, it's such a great show because it's so realistic. But I was thinking like, just because it's realistic, does it make it that great? And I think it's kind of cool because they use the realism to like add to the story. Like they use like, um, like for example, like when ships travel at high speeds, there's like a lot of acceleration and like a lot of dangers, just like accelerating really fast speeds. So like they yeah. use that as a drama device. And yeah, they also like mention how the bodies like there's there's this particular group of people in the expanse. Um, they're called belters. They're the people that have like have um what's it called colonized like the belt, the asteroid belts, and they don't live in high gravity. Gravity like the most gravity they're exposed to is like half like one g or like half a g, I guess. Yeah, which makes sense. And like their bodies have changed to the point where like they're like totally different. They can't survive on a planet anymore. And everybody's like, whoa, like I never thought of it that way before. I remember it just kind of blew my mind. But like it doesn't necessarily make the other old science fiction stuff bad though. It's still good, even though like they ignore a few things. That's like the But one thing that did annoy me from like another another older show, um, Stargate. Oh yeah. <laughs> one thing that annoyed me is like I never really thought about it until someone pointed it out. Like they travel to all these alien planets across the galaxy. But yeah, everyone somehow speaks English perfectly. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I was like, wait a second, you're right. Like, it kind of makes me like not like the show as much. But I was also thinking, like, you know, it's just a fun show. Like, you know, like it doesn't matter if it's realistic or not. You know. Yeah, I mean, they easily could have bypassed that and just said, "We made technology that kind of scrambles it all and then translates it." But yeah, they do that for Star Trek, but they don't do that for Stargate, though. They just kind of like the way we mentioned it. They're like, oh, I speak English? Cool. Let's go. Yeah, I didn't yeah. think about it. <laughs> I never knew the British. Yeah, the British really called, really reached out there, didn't they? <laughs> the British Empire knows no boundaries. Laughs in British. It's a small budget film, and like it's a there's like a smaller budget film on sci fi, and they're doing the what the best they got, you know. So, yeah, can't really be too mad. like when I was younger, I used to get kind of annoyed with the alien designs from like Star Trek. I'm like, if you got an alien from an alien planet, the only thing that's different about them is their pointy ears. Like, <laughs> but I was like, well, they're also having to deal with like a lot of makeup and like stuff like that. They don't want to make like a really intricate design for each alien species, you know. So like, yeah, yeah you gotta, you have to take into account those things too. Yeah, yeah, I know it's definitely. I mean, they're like a really good example of how uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, uh, quite a few of them did have like masks or makeup on, but if you see sometimes like behind the scenes, it's just like a person with like a bunch of um, 
goodness, I don't want to call them other than balls, but <laughs> it's just like focal points that they focus on and then they can kind of edit that area and be on a green screen and make them actually look like an alien and they you know they don't have to take the time to do all the makeup every scene. This kind of get that saved and everything and then it's a lot easier now. At least that's why I'm just pulling on my butt right now. I don't know exactly <laughs> the process, but that would make more sense. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think it's yeah. important not to take everything too seriously too. I think it's good to take or take everything for what it is. Because like you see, I've been watching a lot of these lore videos of Star Trek, and they're like, "Why do they? Why does this happen? Why does it that happen? Like, why do these? Why do these species look so similar?" And back in my head, it's like, just probably because the makeup designer had limited makeup supplies, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like That's people like, like you know, these conspiracy theories. There's one cool conspiracy theory though. Like, there's a conspiracy theory that like all the alien races in Star Trek are related through like a common ancestor, like some alien species spread out, like all the aliens so that's why they can all look similar and breed together oh that's interesting I'm like that actually makes kind of cool sense because that's one thing that bothered me too it's like how is all these alien species like having like these hybrids together like what makes these genes compatible you know but gotta take yeah. it for what it is right yeah i mean q could be taking play who knows oh yeah the cubes but, but I, I feel like that's delving too much yeah yeah <laughs> A deep lore. But yeah, that was my thoughts for the week. Maybe I'll tell anything else to add to that. No. No. Awesome. That was good. All right, Mako Shark, what do you got for us this week? Um, mine's a lot less uh in depth, I guess. <laughs> um I was just thinking because so a little offhand topic, I found out there's a Street Fighter cookbook, which I bought, and it's fantastic. But um, I got to thinking about how I used to play Street Fighter 2 when I was a kid on our Sega Genesis. You know, it's like one of my favorite franchises, and I started thinking about, like, all the games I've played, and I finally thought, like, which of them has had the biggest impact on me? Because, well, that might seem like a silly question to some people. The truth is, some... You know, sometimes you really connect with a certain show, a certain movie, a certain character or game, and it kind of influences your outlook on life. Like a few months ago, I was reading a post from some guy where he was saying he was struggling, struggling with depression, probably from all this COVID stuff. But there's a character from a game that he would play, and she would always say these really uplifting, encouraging things. So he said that kind of helped him get through it. So, uh, what do you, what do you guys think? What are the biggest influence, like what games have had the biggest influence on you? Hmm. Good question. <laughs> <laughs> well, it can even be other stuff. Like if you just spend a lot of your childhood playing Super Smash Brothers with your friends and that brought it a lot of great memories and those kind of influenced you, it can just be something like that. Yeah. Um, well, that's actually what I was thinking because, um, I mean, emotionally wise, I don't think I've been affected like that. Um, you know, of course, I I went through the halos when they were coming out one by one, and so I saw I kind of saw that journey, the great journey. Okay, the journey that <laughs> uh, the main character is going through. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. Um, 
And so that part was kind of interesting. Kind of connect or if... Sorry. Was it? Did you kind of connect with Master Chief then, just seeing him journey through all that? Yeah, I mean, I didn't. I, I wasn't able to put myself in his shoes because obviously I can't do what he can. Um. Also, a can little do... side tangent. Huh? Sure, you can. <laughs> Get you a bunch of drugs. A really big suit. Oh yeah, I know, right? Um. I will say though, um, I kind of feel bad, and no, I hope no one takes offense on this, but it's like I don't care that much for uh, when people say that they are able to put themselves in the shoes of the characters. Um, I know you kind of do, Mako. Um, yeah. But but for me, I always end up seeing the story uh, passing as a as a story and so i'm watching what's happening to the character not necessarily that i'm the character and you feel more like you're observing it than experiencing it yeah um unless it's vr chat that's different but anyways (laughs) the the game that i would say that had the most effect on me is runescape (laughs) kind of weird (laughs) Um, not because the story is amazing, um, the quests are okay, but you know, I, I've put 15 years in this game, not straight, of course, but over the time, and I've had many relationships of people I've met, um, quite a few gag ones, especially in the first years, um. But it's like I've been in this one clan in the game for since they put them out, like 2013 at least. Oh, actually, yeah. I think it was earlier than that. And, you know, they're like in the Netherlands. People are in different states and everything. And it's just kind of that connection of just talking to them all the time, um, doing stuff with them. You know, definitely uh, an escape for reality, I guess. Um. You know, there's points I would just enjoy just being in it, listening to the music, not really doing anything. You know, those type of things. But, um, I mean, there's plenty of other games I've enjoyed that had similar things, but usually they're like series, you know, the Zelda series or even Metroid series. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just because of the time I put into them, I just enjoy the characters and everything. But I, I guess it's, I don't know how to put it, but you know, I just they haven't like fixed me emotionally or anything. Um, yeah, I would say, but they definitely had a part of it. Yeah, like they played an influence, but they're not like a huge part of your life. Yeah, yeah. Like with the one person you're saying kind of helped him get through his depression. Yeah, maybe, maybe it did and I didn't realize it, but I can't tell you right now that it did. I wouldn't I wouldn't recognize that. Yeah. I guess the two games that affected me the most emotionally. I don't know, like in a hmm. a lot of games have brought different emotions in me. Um 
I guess the ones that made me most invested into the story is um, the Force Unleashed, Star Star Wars, and also oh yeah. I think Mass Effect is the first game I ever really almost cried at. Because like, oh, yeah. like they just wrote the characters so well, and like you you actually have well, there's limited. It's all debate about like the choices mattering in um, Mass Effect, but you have a lot of you're making a lot of choices to kind of make it feel like it's your Shepard, like it's your story that you're kind of molding to kind of create more investment, I guess, and whatnot. And the Force Unleashed, um, that was just the first game I ever played that I actually got in- invested into the characters and like actually cared about what happened to them. And I remember I got really angry because I. Played I, when I first played through it, I accidentally picked the bad ending for Force Unleashed. Oh, oh yeah, I did too. <laughs> and I was like so upset. I was like, this makes no sense. Like no can like with like the original canon of Star Wars. I'm like, this makes no sense. Like how how could I like, you know? But then I played it again and I got the good ending, and it made me it made me so happy. But, but still kind of bittersweet though too, you know. Yeah, but at least until the second one, right? Another game I really got invested in was. Splinter Cell Conviction. Like, I don't oh, know why. Oh. Or Splinter Cell, yeah. Like, I don't know why, but I got really invested in, like, Sam Fisher's story. Like, even though I played no um, Splinter Cell game before that, like, I didn't know the characters. I didn't know, like, the storyline. I just got dropped, out, dropped into it, and I found out this guy, like, lost his daughter or something like that, but, like, found out his daughter's still alive, and all this, like, background drama. I remember I got really invested in it for some reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, also another game, too. Sorry, I'm listening up so many games, but <laughs> another game I got really into is Faction Guerrilla. Oh, I've heard like of that playing, one. I remember you're playing, like, you're playing on Mars, and, like, you're trying to do a revolution against Earth, because Earth is kind of being oppressive against the Martians. And I remember I got kind of invested in the struggle of the Martians. Like, there's certain missions you can pick out. Like, there's one mission where to raise morale, you can go off and, like, rescue a bunch of prisoners from like the earth force and every one time like i almost had them out like they're all jumping in the back of my car and like the last one got sniped out and this got sniped right before she jumped into the car and she fell down and i felt so sad like, no. oh no but, yeah just a little fun gaming moments like that ah so another one i'm um, sorry i'm just mentioning so many games but another one that really Got me. I'm not sure if it's along with your question, but it got me emotionally invested as XCOM because you oh, can create your own yeah. characters and like you can kind of mold them, and like you can give them certain abilities. And like also another thing that's really cool is that not cool, but adds more stakes to the game is that once you like lose a character, they're gone forever. Like there's no respawning. Yeah, the my, game will just keep going. Yeah, my brother-in-law played that game. He said he made all of us, and like. I lasted the longest, which surprised him. <laughs> That's you, funny. I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. He 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 named you after family members, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Maybe next All time right. I play in a campaign, I'll name you guys after him. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> I'll let you know who survives the longest. All right, yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah, we should take bets. Oh, let's see who lasts the longest. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, and there's been lots um, of games for- that I've, um, I'm sorry, there's been lots of games that I've uh, 
got emotionally attached to, but I'm not sure if they had like a profound impact on me per se. Or like that's yeah. my world view or like made me like this the one you described, but but yeah, I guess it's like all things, like they all have a little bit a little bit of impact, but that you don't really know until you think about it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Mako. Uh, for me, trying to think, there's a lot of ones. Because to be honest, I played a lot of games with my family members and my friends over the years. Like, I have a lot of great memories from Muster Hunt, uh, Street Fighter, and of course, Pokemon. Pokemon was the first game I ever played, so there's that. But I want to mm-hmm. say the two that. Uh, may have impacted me the most would be Kingdom Hearts and Overwatch. Okay. So, because Kingdom Hearts, like, we bought a PlayStation 2 just to play that game because, you know, we're all Disney fans. We're like, oh, look, we can run around with Peter Pan and Ariel and Donald and Goofy. Yeah. So, but even though, unlike as a kid, we really got into the story because even though it is kind of corny, it actually does. You know, it's actually not bad as far as stories go. Like it's corny but endearing, you know, and it does actually have moments that are really touching and well written, I think. Of course, then it gets into the time travel stuff and it all dissolves into gobbledygook, but no, I remember that was the first Kingdom Hearts. I remember like that night I was pacing back and forth because I was so overwhelmed with my achievement. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, I beat it. I can do anything. <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> I mean, I was like nine at the time. Yeah. So. But yeah, like That's it was a good. game like <laughs> it was a game we all enjoyed together because we were all Disney fans. My older sisters played it. I remember at one point we got stuck because there's a wall you're supposed to shoot with fire and we couldn't figure it out. And then my older sister <laughs> shot a fireball at it and it opened. We were like, how'd you figure that out? And she said, well, what Carl always does and just started attacking everything. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I feel like that's one I was the most emotionally attached to. I feel like that's kind of mellowed out over the years. Like, I haven't even finished the third one because I didn't like the ending. Was, I still need to finish it, really. Yeah, you it's do. It's still a pretty good game. I was, yeah. I was watching you play it the whole time. You were in my Let's Play, and then you just stopped playing. <laughs> Oh, well, if he'd said that, I would finish it. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to force you. Of course, it's your game. Why do you enjoy it? Uh, I think I only... You could probably watch like the last two hours of it. I think that's all I had left in it. Yeah, it's not the same, though. Yeah. yeah. It was I'll the just... Let's Player that I could actually talk to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we just all need to get back together physically, and then we can do it. Yeah. So, and then Overwatch, I'm going to say because it was the first online multiplayer game I actually ever played. Because, like I mentioned before, I've had anxiety issues in the past, and I was always like, I don't know like, how I'm going to handle it if some stupid 12-year-old starts telling me he screwed my mom and you know stuff like that. So I was like scared of being the one that lets the team down, and everyone's like, oh, you're a loser, you should quit the game, stuff like that. But then I played it, and I was like, actually, this is a lot of fun. And it's fun enough I don't care what anybody says to me. And most people on here are actually pretty cool. Like, pretty nice. So, I have to say, you 
at least from other people's experiences, you have really lucked out on <laughs> nice people in Overwatch. It, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't. I don't know how you're like. Oh yeah, I've never had that much of people. You know, people are bad players and say GG and all that when they're being idiots and all that. It was like, how? How'd you not get all the people that are saying <laughs> like? Ah, I don't even want to say it, but you know, just, um, just really the trash. Yeah, he's really good vibes, and he invites people good vibes. I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> spread the vibes. <laughs> I don't know. It might just be the Midwestern United States server is really chill or something. But yeah, like for the most part, most people are pretty nice. Like, I remember I was absolutely... There's a game mode called Yeti Hunter every Christmas where it's, like, a team of six against one, like, super-powered Winston. Oh, yeah. So, I, yeah, I would keep getting Winston, the Yeti, and I was just, like, absolutely destroying the, t- the enemy team. And they were all nice about it. They are like, man, you're really good at this. Like, is Winston your main? And I was like, no, I just kind of switched to whoever I think we need. And they're like, oh, you're a jack-of-all-trades kind of guy. You know, they're just really positive and nice about it. So, and, yeah, like, even when you get people that are mean about it, it's just kind of like, well, you're just an idiot. This is just a game. Yeah. I remember last time. Uh, I I guess I just experienced too much of uh, Xbox um, live <laughs> and, and just trashy people. Oh, uh, Xbox Live chat. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, sorry, yeah. go on. Oh, yeah. Like the last time someone, like we lost, and someone on the team started saying, Y'all know how to play. Y'all are dog shiz and stuff like that. All I did was just say, Oh, don't be such a baby. It's just a game. And he never responded. And that was the end of it. Hmm. Yeah, it's not really that bad. So yeah, and like I remember later I got into the newer battlefronts and I was just like dying over and over again. And I was getting frustrated and I thought, you know what? I should play this like Overwatch. I actually try and think and be tactical. And then I ended up rushing up to second best player in the match. Mm-hmm. So that's why like I think Overwatch has had one of the bigger influences on me because it expanded like it showed me that there's a whole new genre of games I can play and enjoy. You know, and on top of that, it just kind of reminded me, even with my anxiety issues, that like people aren't out to get you. Most people are fine. You know, they just want to live their lives. Yeah. Um, I think uh just going off a little bit, I think the issue is when it gets a little too competitive. Um, you know, people are trying to be ranked and get good, I guess you could say. Then they oh, kinda yeah. get salty. But yeah, like you said, you know. It most of the time it's just a game. Yeah. And I guess with Overwatch it helps that competitive mode is a whole separate mode. Like and then they have the normal one and the goofy arcade ones where the roles are different. Yeah. So now they have a game creator, so people will make like Genji tennis or Doomfist <laughs> <laughs> or Doomfist bowling or hide and go seek and stuff like that. Wasn't there a badminton mode for a little bit? Yeah, I think I think that was based off the Genji tennis. Yeah. It's like two mercies make a stream for the net, and then the two Genjis use reflect. <laughs> Junkrat serves a bomb, and they just deflect that at each other over and over again. Yeah. 
that that's when it's fun with community or kind of just messing around all right cool all righty well thank you for your thoughts uh, we'll go on to our next topic so hammerhead shark what do you got for us okay so uh we'll try to keep this as least controversial as possible uh but there's it was from a meme and then i looked into it and it's actually real and it's star wars it's official um they came out with a new bounty hunter and they're very charismatic i guess you can say they're their their style and the way how they look and the title here let me just read it is star wars new bounty hunter may be better than boba fett which I know is very click baitable, but I don't think they're going to get the response that they want. Um, Boba Fett and the Fets in general, since they've showed up, have been just some of the all-time favorite characters of the Star Wars uh, movies and series now. And I think them coming out and just kind of be like, yeah, Boba Fett's trash. Um, is putting off a lot of people, and it's already kind of died down. No one really cares. <laughs> it was, <laughs> I think, people argued about it for about three days, and now I'm not seeing anything about this new character. Um, there's articles about it. You can look it up. The character's name is Deva Lompop. <laughs> um. It says it's Star Wars Galaxy's oldest bounty hunters, which have you ever heard of them, Mako? <laughs> no. They're yeah, I'm actually reading the article right now. Yeah. Uh, Mako's our Star Wars expert. Yeah. yeah. Um, they're saying that they introduced her species as part of the High Republic books. Okay. So that's why they're getting from old, it's just an older species. Yeah, and that's why I'm reading that apparently the Huts think that they were some of the first bounty hunters, and that's it. Sounds like Screen Rant's just being kind of clickbaity. Like, there's nothing that says, "Oh yeah, she's here to replace Boba Fett." It's just like she's one of the oldest bounty hunters, so Jabba calls her in to fix something that Boba messed up. Yeah, and I don't like. Sure, um, I can I can agree with her race as being one of the oldest, and yeah. Sure, their their race probably was bounty hunters, but like, I don't know. They're kind of just pulling out of their butt, in my opinion. Um, there needs yeah, to be yeah. a little build up of introduction in my uh, before they just bring out this character. Um, especially not being in the face of one of the most favorite characters of the franchise. Yeah, because it's always been Boba Fett's the best bounty hunter in the galaxy. You know, before that, it was Cad Bane, and I guess I think Boba Fett kills him or something like that. So then they suddenly introduce this new character and say, Oh, yeah, she's a centuries old bounty hunter. So she's more experienced and better than Boba Fett. And, you know, on the one hand, no, Disney hasn't actually said that. That's Screen Rant assuming it. Yeah. But it does sound like Disney could make that case if they wanted to. And I hope they don't because it's like, I just like Boba Fett. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a lot of people like Boba Fett. They like his character. They like his style. You know, he was the first introduction to the Mandalorian yeah. for mostly everyone. Oh yeah. And um 
you know, where where was his character before? You know? Yeah. It, I'm sorry, but the way they designed her or them, um, I just don't see it fit in the older movies, the original trilogy. Yeah, I think I kind of get what you mean. Like, it seems really flashy, kind of like nonsensical, right? Yeah, nonsensical. Out of touch, I guess. Okay. Um, I mean, I would see it fitting more in the prequels, but definitely not in the sequels. Yeah. And, but uh, I don't know, Lemon. What do, what do you think about it? Um, I just well, I haven't researched it before. I've heard it sounds kind of like a lazy type of character introduction. I mean, it's really easy. It's, it feels like very childish, like you. Very character like oh this character is better than all the other characters but then you need to find a way to rather just say that try to try to actually show it you know what i mean like make yeah. them earn their place you know rather than being like it's like it's easy just to like pull out a character out of your butt and be like oh yeah he's stronger than superman or stronger than one punch man like he's one half punch man or something like that you know <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's easy just to pull, pull a character out of your butt and be like oh he's stronger and better but like you need to find a way to make it actually better you know like, if that's your goal, don't try to say that. Just try to make it happen, you know? And also pay respects to, like, the old character you're trying to, like, stand up to, you know? Yeah, and, like, I guess also, to be fair, it may not be even that Disney's trying to say, oh, she's better than Boba Fett. Like, she's a better character. It's probably more like she might be more skilled because of all of her experience, but they still seem they're making the book of Boba, so I mean they gotta understand how popular Boba Fett is at least. Yeah. Maybe she's uh, gonna be a boss. Maybe she's gonna be a boss for Boba Fett. I mean, yeah. yeah. I, I could. It, it'd be kind of cool the way they introduce it is just she's existed or they have existed this whole time, but she, they just kind of stayed out of it, or she was a or they were a bounty hunter. In the further outreaches of the galaxy, yeah, then, same. yeah. Then the what's that? All the empire and everything—they just kind of did their own thing, you know. Maybe they're maybe they live for long times, you know. They could easily put it in, but they just gotta make sure they do it right. Yeah, that's what they're saying. Like, I guess she's two hundred years old, and. She was a bounty hunter, but then she kind of retired, moved on to other work, and now she's back because Java probably offered to pay her a stupid amount of money. Yeah, Java did. Oh no, this is before he dies. Oh, is this like is this like a in between or whatever? Yeah, <laughs> an in between type of thing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's supposed to be around the time Han Solo's frozen in carbonite. Oh, okay. Right. So, I mean, yeah, if they introduce her and they do it right and they're not obnoxious about it, just saying, like, oh, it's a new character, they're so cool, you better love her kind of thing, then, yeah, I guess I could give it a fair shot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just make sure you you do it right. You know, you're not... <clears throat> you're actually making a character that you care about, not so, not someone that's trying to fit an agenda or uh, check off some lists. Um, 
which yeah. with a good amount of stuff they haven't been doing that well they're they're just pointing out stuff to satisfy the fans which everyone's been appreciating and enjoying and buying up um oh yeah the mandalorian finale was amazing yeah i mean you just, it could it could really um backlash i guess on these people yeah back. who you talk to <laughs> that actually kind of reminds you of one of the reasons i thought dragon ball z was the stupidest show growing up was because <laughs> they would always come up with some new character who you know for one reason or another is stronger than the previous villain like you know they just have a higher power level and actually it was like it just kind of felt dumb you know yeah it's just always like well where were they you know yeah or, they like, usually just kind of cared yeah well, it feels like there's always some new excuse like frieza's so strong because that's just the way he is and then cell is so strong because he's absorbed the energy and powers of millions thousands of people and the two androids and then it's like Majin Buu's whatever he is and then suddenly Golden Frieza it's Frieza after he started seriously training it starts to feel kind of dumb now I like Dragon Ball Z a lot more now mainly because of abridged <laughs> but it still feels kind of like just you know cheap writing yeah so meanwhile <laughs> As weird an example as it is, one of the things I like about Kung Fu Panda was that they tried to make each villain different. Yeah. Yeah, like the yeah. first, uh, Tai Lung was this, an amazing martial artist, and then they had Lord Shen show up, and instead of being, you know, a more amazing martial artist that's been hiding in the wilderness this entire time, he's just more of a psychological enemy for Poe. So, and they even show him getting his butt kicked by the, you know, Kung Fu masters in the beginning. Until he brings out the cannon. Yeah. So, and then, uh, whatever the water buffalo guy's name was in the third one, Kai? Yeah, Kai. His thing was like he learned how to steal chi. So it was like this new power that he had learned. Yeah, someone that probably wasn't a threat was seeing everything and then was able to become one. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> I guess one kind of good example uh, is One Piece. Well, not really. Okay, it's very okay. It's not. It's not that good example, but it has parts that are good example. They, but they introduced these characters way before, and then they're kind of just shadows, and we didn't know much about them, but we just know that they're really strong. And that's they kind of made them the goal, and so you're more focused on the super strong characters, and then you don't. No, there's a bunch of characters that are in the way that they have to take care of, which are also yeah. strong, but we're not focused on them because we're focused on the super, super strong ones. And and that in that aspect I think they kinda of, they did okay. But anyways, uh Lemon, do you have anything you want to add to that? Nope, I think I've added already what I thought about it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I hope I hope this new character is enjoyable. Um, they have fun personality; people enjoy. You know, good work for the artists who are designing them. You know, it worked for Disney. Uh, even if people don't like it, um, I don't care for it. But good for you guys. <laughs> um, yeah, 
Now that we're talking about yeah, it, they, she kind of looks more like more. Uh, she kind of looks more like she should be in Guardians of the Galaxy than anything else. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that they don't mix those because um, Star Wars definitely has this quirky characters and people. Um, but I wouldn't say that they've always been colorful. Yeah. Um, that was actually one of the appeals of it was back in the day, every sci-fi fantasy, whatever, was like sparkling, chrome, and clean futures and utopias. And Star Wars was unique because it was like, oh, yeah, here's a astromech droid that can do millions of calculations, but it's old and dirty and beaten up, just like, you know, a calculator nowadays that your dad had. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely changing, um, you know, the prequels and everything, and uh, the sequels and the series. And so character can definitely fit. I don't think they'd fit in the original trilogy, but I would say they fit more in the current stuff in, in the 70s. Yeah. But won't be too nitpicky with the design. It's more of just how they're you're not better than Boba Fett. No one's better than Boba Fett. <laughs> no one's better. <laughs> Except Luke and Jedi, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> cool beans. Is that anyone's got anything else to add? No. No, I think that's it. Yeah. Um, I guess uh, I guess for any listeners um, we we just all been busy uh, thanks to having worked out so sorry we uh, took a while we'll we'll try to do the weekly uh, if just things just don't work out because of work and stuff we might just do this every other week but um We'll we'll just see what the future holds. We'll try for weekly if that's okay with you guys still. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. But all right. All right. Thanks for joining us today. See y'all next time. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Sleep well. <laughs>